Mark 1, 21 through 39. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching, and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Well, our, uh, our scripture reading ended a little bit early there. If you still have it out or handy or remember where it was, I'll just pick up where we left off and we'll read a little bit more of it. Um, and we just left off where the, the fever left her and, and she began to wait on them. And then it says, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. And the whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Verse 35. Very early in the morning, when it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else. To the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And that's uh, the rest of it there. And we're starting a new series, as you can tell, um, called Better. And it's actually a continuation of, of a series we began last year. But let me just start by saying I'm impressed to see this many Louisianans out on a cold morning like this. I didn't think you could get this many Louisianans out in the teens for anything. But uh, you came out to worship, and I thank you for joining us today. And I'm excited to start this new series. So it's a good week to come and, and to be here and, and be plugged in on this deal. And, and so... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna look at this still. We're gonna last year we looked at better inside. It was kind of some inward spiritual disciplines, and this year we're looking at kind of outward ones. And so last year, you know, things that you do in private, or you know, no one would even know you were doing it necessarily, like prayer or meditation, things like that. This year, uh, things that are, are more public in nature, more outward disciplines. And the whole idea is um, that there's these spiritual disciplines, they're, they're biblical, but they're not exactly the instructions of Jesus in, in every case. In some cases, you know, it's not like Jesus commanded us, thou shalt do solitude. Uh, rather, these are the disciplines by which we apply and learn to get better at, better, at what Jesus taught, at the instructions that he taught. 
These, if they weren't taught by him, they were in most cases modeled by him, like we we're going to see today. And, and so they're very biblical spiritual disciplines. But these are the things by which we get better. You know, just like everything else in life, if we want to get better at being a Christian, if we want to get better at just being a person, at being human, then we've got to be disciplined, right? We've got to use discipline. We understand this, whether it's, you know, sports and you want to get better at sports or, you know, whatever your career is or in school. Without disciplining ourselves, then there's not any progress, and one of the amazing things that we'll see as we go through these, almost every spiritual discipline that we study, it's so countercultural. And today's definitely no exception as we talk about solitude and silence, but so countercultural. And, and then, of course, uh, I would say, well, of course it is, because normal isn't working, right? Normal isn't working. Uh, if it was, then the world would be getting better and better, but the world's not getting better and better. And, uh, and if you don't feel like you're making the kind of progress spiritually that, that you would like to see, then maybe this is a great series uh, for you to tune in for, whether you're uh, listening online or you're here with us. And so uh, let's just kind of dive in with solitude. But I think maybe a better word for it uh, might even just be silence in our day and time today, because... Uh, sometimes even when we're alone, we're, uh, we're busy or we're not very quiet. So let's just do a little bit of an experiment here for a minute and, uh, and have some silence. adequately uncomfortable <laughs> or maybe some of you got too comfortable and, and I need to wake you up now <laughs> no, maybe, maybe tap your neighbor if they fell asleep or uh, tell them to put away their phone if they got that out and started playing <laughs> some kind of game that's anytime you know like you used to when I was a kid you go to the doctor's office or something and everyone's waiting there or, or maybe the department of motor vehicle <laughs> and Everyone's just sitting there, and everyone's just kind of looking around, and uh, someone might strike up a conversation. Now you go in there, and everyone's looking down, <laughs> got their phone out, right? <laughs> and uh, not much interaction unless you bump into them or something, right? Uh, it's, just, it's just a different world, and we don't have much solitude or silence anymore. I think I finally realized this is one of the reasons why I enjoy driving. Like, we just got back from a trip all the way to... Oklahoma and back and 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 so it's not as quiet as it used to be when I drive uh, 
So we've got a baby in the back that's not sure about this whole strap me down in the back seat thing. Uh, but still, those it's like even just driving back and forth from like work to home or whatever. It it's like you have to stop for a second and just drive. You know, you can't you can't be on your phone or you better not be. And then you can't uh, you know you can't be you know listening or watching a TV show or you know you just have to stop. And drive somewhere, and and it's a little bit mindless, and so it's just it's like you're forced to take a quiet moment. Uh, although even now I have to watch myself because sometimes I, I've discovered podcasts and I can play them over my, you know, so I'm like, hey, I can work even while I drive, you know. And sometimes I just have to shut it all off, and just be quiet, and drive home like a normal person, <laughs> and just have a moment. And it feels like a lot of us in this day and time, we just don't get much solitude anymore or much silence anymore. Now, you may be in a season of life where you get a little more alone time than you really want. But, but even if that's the case, how many of us, in, even in, the, in that situation, are intentional about just being quiet? So, because our tendency in our day and time, this is a problem that in Jesus' day and time they wouldn't have even had is to fill our, our, our quiet time with stuff. You know, we put TVs in the dining room so that we don't have to, you know, talk to each other or, or anything or just sit there alone. We, we want to watch something uh, or, or we just eat in the living room so we can watch something. Uh, you know, we, all the time, it's got to be music on, something's got to be going. If, if we're sitting still and, and get bored for even a moment, I mean, we can be at a family gathering, right? And next thing you know, you look around and everyone's got their phone out. <laughs> And looking at something, and uh, you know, I'm as guilty as the next person at doing that sometimes. And I catch myself, and I think, "What in the world are you doing? Just you know, be human, <laughs> you know, stop." But we have this tendency to fill our lives with stuff and and busyness. You know, a lot of us we just have we have we can't sit still for very long. We just got to go do something, uh, whether it's something lazy or something hard work. You know, we just got we've got to be. Filling that space with something. And so we get so busy, so noisy. Our world is noisy. You know, have you ever noticed that? It's just, I mean, that's like the quietest Cypress Street's ever ever been because it's like 15 degrees outside and no one, no one else is anywhere. But <laughs> it was a bad week for that one, huh? Uh, but but we, we all can identify with that in, in our lives. Get just bogged down with stuff, and, and sometimes you know we may say, "Oh my goodness, I just need some space. Just everybody be quiet for a minute." We don't even really think about why we need that space. We just sometimes kind of panic and react to not having enough of it. But I just want to suggest to you today that if if we ever feel like we're not hearing from God enough, you know, maybe it's because we've filled our lives with too much noise. And, and if we feel like maybe we aren't getting better the way that we should, maybe it's because we haven't even taken time to think about what that looks like or, or what it takes to get there. Right? I mean, when was the last time you just sat down and just thought about life? <laughs> and just thought about your life, how things are going? probably been a while because who has time for that right <laughs> there's there's too much going on too much to do 
And so let's just talk about for a moment today, solitude. Because even in an ancient, by our opinion, you know, 2,000 years ago, before there were smartphones and TVs and radios and all the noise and cars, and when things were a lot quieter, Jesus walked this earth and he still felt the need to seek out intentional moments of solitude and silence. And if he needed to do that in that day and time, how much do you think we need to today? And the account we read today took place in a town called Capernaum. I think you'd like it. I, think, I don't think you'd mind having some property in Capernaum. <laughs> Look at that view. Isn't that incredible? Just This is where you, you get an idea of why Jesus set up his base camp <laughs> you know, for ministry here in Capernaum. Uh, instead of like landlocked Nazareth or somewhere, you know, he moved <laughs> to, to Capernaum. He said, hey, the view is nice here. Uh, and, and, and it was. It was right on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, there would be kind of low mountains around the Sea of Galilee. So you know it had a great view. Uh, and so, quiet, little village. Maybe not super little by that day's standards. In that time, it was a decent-sized town, it would seem. And, uh, and this story begins with, they, they had gotten back in town. And the first thing they do, because it was the Sabbath day, was they went to the synagogue. And this is, we're told, a, a picture of the synagogue in Capernaum. And right, you know, nestled right by the, the ocean. I'm sure if it was a breezy day, you could probably hear the waves hitting the shore from the Sea of Galilee. And it says Jesus showed up there and he taught there. Now, this happened a lot. And just thought I'd mention, especially since I'm talking to the choir here today of great folks who woke up and in the teens and got here anyway. Look, Jesus made gathering. You know, the synagogue was like the closest equivalent to what we do with church nowadays. Jesus made that gathering time every week such a priority. I mean, he was at the synagogue week in, week out. More often than not, he got invited to speak or to teach because he would have been a visiting teacher and, and whoever was leading the synagogue that week thought, hey, I get a break, let's ask this guy to talk. And so Jesus would talk and people wanted to hear from him everywhere he went. And so uh, oftentimes he ended up teaching when he was at the synagogue. If he was in Jerusalem, he was at the temple. He took advantage of gathering together. And if, again, if he did it and made it a priority, then shouldn't we? And I'm not suggesting that we get super legalistic about you know, every Sunday morning, that kind of thing. But it is something that it's changed somewhat with our culture. You know, we, we don't make it the same priority, perhaps, that we did once upon a time. And a lot of studies have shown that attendance is a lot more hit or miss on whether people go to church from week to week. And so I just want to suggest, especially if you've got kids at home, you know, think about it. Think about it. And, and what, not as a, you don't want them to grow up, you know, with like a legalistic thing. We've got to be there. I don't care if you're sick, you know, whatever. But, but just, just a, what would your kids say your priorities are? Maybe that's a good way to think of it. But anyway, let's get back to the story. So, 
Jesus, this account of, of Jesus' ministry in the early days of his ministry, he had just called his disciples. He shows up in Capernaum. He goes to the temple. They invite him to teach. Now he's in the middle of teaching. And, and this guy stands up, demon-possessed, and just hollers out there, What do you want to do with us, Jesus? <laughs> and he calls him the Holy One of God. Jesus shuts him up and commands, Come out of him. And it says that the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Now, if that happened in the middle of my sermon today, it would shake me up a little bit, all right? <laughs> and I can tell you, I would, I would doubly need my Sunday afternoon nap after that, okay? And, and most pastors would tell you that after Sunday, you know, they're spent. It's like they had a whole day in a morning, you know, and, and they're just kind of worn out. And Sunday afternoon rolls around. And so, you know, surely for Jesus, he's shown up, he's, he's taught, he had this whole confrontation right in the middle of the public, and so they go over to Simon and Andrew's, or Peter and Andrew's uh, house for lunch, presumably for some of Mama's fried chicken, and some homemade pie, I don't know what, they probably more likely had fish, but, you know... <laughs> And probably thinking he's ready for his Sunday afternoon nap. But no, he gets home and, this, and mama's sick. <laughs> She's laid up in bed. And, uh, and so the mother-in-law is sick and he's got to go heal a mother-in-law. <laughs> right? Before he can have lunch. And then she's got to get lunch ready after that. <laughs> so they're sitting around. They get a late lunch, a late start on the nap. And, uh, and then before you know it, Crowds have gathered because, I mean, they didn't have Twitter back then, but apparently they didn't need it. And word had spread to the whole countryside. And people just start showing up at Simon and Andrew's house to see Jesus. And so, you know, interrupts the nap. <laughs> he goes out and he's talking to them. He's healing them. He's, you know, just showing them compassion. And they're coming with all these needs, you know, needy people, needy people. All wanting a piece of Jesus and some of his time. And some of his miracles. And this goes on into the night. Finally everyone goes home. What a day. I mean, that's a busy day. And a lot of us can identify with the schedule. I mean, maybe not with the, with the teaching and the demon casting out thing. <laughs> you know, although some of us with kids at home might wonder sometimes <laughs> if that's really a pretty good job description for what we do on the average day. But... What a busy day. Packed from dawn till dusk. Going, going, going. And you would expect that Jesus, like most of us, would pull the covers over his head the next morning and hope that Peter wouldn't wake him up or something. Which is what happens to me in the morning. <laughs> but, no. No. Instead, we're told early in the morning before, before dawn, while it was still night, while everyone was still sleeping, Jesus tiptoes out of the house, goes and finds somewhere quiet, somewhere alone. Just finds some space. Some of us, like I say, we, we come to a point after a day like that, you know, one of those kinds of days where we're like, I just need some space. Give me some space. 
But a lot of times, like I said, we don't ever think about why. And I wonder if, if we knew why we felt that way, and we knew why we needed it, maybe we'd be more intentional about it the way Jesus was. I think, I think he knew why he needed that solitude, why he needed that space. Because the next morning, when Peter and the guys wake up, and, and the whole town's a buzz, and, and everyone's looking for Jesus again, you know, and they didn't have that quiet time or that space, and it was just busy again. And they go hunting for Jesus, and they find him hiding out in this quiet place, and rudely interrupt his time. Well, there you are. You know, uh, we've been looking all over for you. Everybody's looking for you. Things, you know, basically, Jesus, this is awesome. Things are going great. Things are, you know, you're, this is really taking off, this whole ministry thing we're setting off to do and that you've called us to help with. And man, everyone's excited. Let's go back and do it again. Big day. Whoo, here we go. And Jesus says, uh-uh. Time to move on. Time to go to the next town. You know, I didn't come to build this huge ministry. I didn't come to, to you know, just be popular here. I, I came to preach the word, to do the work that God sent me to do. And that means going on to the next stop today. See, finding the space, that, that solitude, that silence, it gave Jesus the perspective he needed to step back from the noise, back from the crowds, and take inventory, and do some praying, and figure out what's next. And to get some clarity on where he was supposed to be going, what he was supposed to be doing. Jesus knew why he needed it. Sometimes Jesus would take these moments of solitude and silence right before like a big event. You know, before he would call the disciples that were going to be his apostles, the closest ones. Or, or right before the cross, right? And he went and found a quiet spot in the Garden of Gethsemane. But sometimes it was in reaction to something like grief or whatever. That he and the disciples would seek out some space, but... Sometimes it was just because things were so busy and the crowds were so thick. You know, I, I think that's why they crisscrossed the lake so many times on the Sea of Galilee. They probably liked driving too. <laughs> they just got in the boat and took off and had some peace before they got to the other side and another crowd welcomed them. We need this time as well. I believe that solitude and silence provide the space required to perceive reality and receive clarity. They provide the space that's required to perceive reality and receive clarity. It's like, you know, have you ever been lost in a crowd kind of thing, like a really thick crowd of people. And, uh, you know, maybe you weren't the tallest one there. Uh, see, I don't ever run into this problem, but I hear other people, you know, they, <laughs> they get in a crowd and they can't see anything, you know, and, and it's hard to even tell where you're at, right? It's hard to tell what's going on. Much less where you're supposed to be going, you know, and if the crowd starts moving, you're just kind of moving with them. And hoping that they take you where... This happens in cars all the time. 
especially if you know if you drive just a regular person car around here, uh, then chances are you will at some point get in a traffic jam with these giant trucks all around you because everyone has to have a giant truck in West Monroe, right? And so you you just you, it's necessary, and so. So you've got these big trucks all around you and you're stuck in traffic and you're like, I don't even know what street this is. Do I turn left here? Do I turn right here? I don't know. And, and so you just go, right? Or you're on the interstate and you can't even see because the semi-trucks are all around you. I mean, this happens when crowds happen, when noise happens and it's so loud. You know, like we've said, we stay so loud and, and here, you know, with music or me blabbing and, and you can't even hear what's going on outside the building a lot of times. There could be trucks driving by and, and making noise out there we don't even notice because of the noise. And so it is in our lives. We get filled up with, with crowdedness and, and noise, whether that's a literal crowd or a literal noise or whether it's just the stuff that we fill our time with, right? Or the, or the TV or the smartphone or what, you know, the computer or whatever it is that you fill your time with. And it gets so crowded... How can we expect to perceive reality, the state of things in your life? How can you expect to really even take inventory if you stay so busy and things stay so crowded? How, how can you hope to see, okay, here's where I am, here's where I ought to be going, you know, if it's so crowded and there's just no space to do that in? And that's, you know, what Jesus did here. It was literally crowded and noisy in his life at that moment. Lots of people wanting his time, wanting to hear from him, wanting, you know, can you heal my brother? Can you heal my mother? Can you, you know, what, here's a demon that you got to throw out. And here's some, you know, could you teach us a little bit about God? And, and on and on it goes. And so he just had to get back and find some space and figure out, okay, am I doing what my father asked me to do? And am I going, what, what's next? You know, where do I need to be headed next? It requires space. And so it is in our life, if we want to get better spiritually, if we want to get better, period, we have to be intentional about creating the space needed to perceive reality and to receive clarity. So what does this look like? I want to just give you three tips today, and maybe you commit to doing one or more of these, uh, and, and get on top of it this week. And so here's tip one. Take better advantage of daily opportunities for solitude. Take better take daily advantage. Take better advantage. Sorry, of uh, daily opportunities for solitude. And and some of you are thinking, what opportunities? <laughs> You know, because my life stays pretty busy, and I know, especially you know, if you're a, a stay, if you've got kids at home, you know, maybe you stay at home with them, or or you go to work, and then you come back, and then you know, it's just oh, everyone needs your time all day, you know, and and people keep telling you it's a season. You're like, okay, <laughs> just go on. It just seems like it's a never-ending season, and and so you go through your day, and you feel like there is no space and time, but. But I think if we all, no matter, you know, the busiest person in this room, if we really sat down and, or maybe even had someone else just observe our day, they might say, hey, there's an opportunity. But you're on your phone. There's an opportunity. Uh, but you're, you know, 
busy doing this and so when you could just be sitting and taking advantage of a quiet moment. You know, you've got to drive over here. What if you just turn the radio off for a minute? I don't know. But I've got a feeling that there's opportunities we're not taking advantage of. And sometimes, uh, I don't know, Julie was reading something the other day about uh, restorative rest, you know, that, that a lot of times the things that we do when we finally get a moment, you know, you get the kid down for a nap or something, and then, and then you start doing something that sounds good to you, whether it's, you know, TV or whatever. Uh, but it's not actually very restful, you know, like it would be if you just took a moment. So maybe you can take better advantage of daily opportunities. Think about what your day looks like and, and what you need to build in there. Uh, maybe you can also build a, find a refuge of solitude. And this may be different for everybody. You might could carve out space in your house, a room or a closet or something where it just let the whole family know. If you need a moment, this is your safe zone. You know, this is your refuge. Just go and have a moment just to be quiet. Or uh, maybe it's a park that you like, or you know, a tree stand. <laughs> it's not even hunting season. You just climb up in that thing. It's just, <laughs> whew. Uh, but think about that. You know, in your life, where where could you carve out a refuge, a place that you could go and just kind of escape and find some solitude, some silence from time to time? And the last tip is to schedule intentional solitude. I said each year, I wish I would have just left it at schedule it because it needs to happen more than once a year, you know. I mean, maybe, I think some guys, that's, that's what we like about hunting, you know. If we go hunting, then, you know, that's one of the things we like about it. You get out there and you just kind of have to be still and quiet for a little while. And, but see, that only comes around like once a year. And there's a whole rest of the year that's not hunting season. And so you may need to still think about, you know, how can I schedule this in? But no matter what your situation is, you know, and what your life schedule looks like, you know, you may have to, if, if it's busy and you've got kids all the time, you may just have to say to your spouse, look, you take this weekend, <laughs> I'll take next weekend, whatever that looks like for you. But be intentional about it. Carve out some space. And then I guess there's the obvious question of, you know, once you get a hold of one of these solitude thingies, what in the world do you do with it? You know, once you once you get there, what then? And I, I would just say, first off, just don't ruin it. Just don't ruin it. Don't don't get so antsy because you're not used to it that you have to fill that space with something. Just let it happen. Just be alone for a moment. Just be quiet for a moment. Maybe leave your phone in a faraway place. <laughs> No interruptions. And I think it'd be good if, if you found that time, even just a moment of that time, just to ask God to help you think about your life. Just ask Him to help you think about your life. It, this doesn't have to be rocket science. Just find some space and don't ruin it. And then just ask God to help you think about your life. You know, if you, how's it going with your family? How's it going with your job?
How's it going? You know, with your progress lately of looking more like Jesus. What's stressing you out? Does it have to be stressing you out? You know, I mean, just think about life. Talk to God about it. Ask Him to help you think through what's going on. And just, it's that space in which you can kind of perceive reality, perceive things as they really are in your life. And not only that, but to kind of receive some clarity about, okay, here's where I'm wanting to go, so maybe, you know, this month I need to start doing this better. Or, you know, if we never take that time to be quiet, then we'll never take that time to think about what we ought to be doing. You know, it's really easy just to go from one task to the next, one thing to the next, right? And we're not very intentional about it. We just we show up to work, you go home try to recover from work, you go back to work the next day, <laughs> you're just getting this routine. But to stop, to discipline ourselves, see this is so countercultural because our culture doesn't stop. Nothing ever stops. It's just one thing to the next. And if your life does stop, it must mean you don't have a life. <laughs> right? That's the way our, our culture treats it. And we feel that way. Sometimes if you ever get stuck and you're alone or, or you have that quiet time, you're like, what's wrong with me? I ought to have something I ought to be doing. Surely there's something I should be doing right now. If, I, you know, if I'm an important person, then I've got people needing me or whatever. That's the way our culture goes. I mean, they just keep, continue to give us more things that we need <laughs> that all require more of our time. All right? Every new gadget that we get that's supposed to save us time. It's just one more thing that we have to do, right, and maintain. And so we fill up our lives with stuff. And it's so countercultural to say, no, I'm going to take a break from the stuff. When I walk in the door, I'm just going to set my phone somewhere in a basket or in the trash can and just take a break from it for a minute. So we've got to be intentional about it. And the thing about this is, it's, it's not even just about you, this finding space to receive clarity and perceive reality. It's, it's not just about a, a better you. It's really, I think, the greatest benefit from you doing this comes to the people around you. You know, the people that you take a step back from for a moment. Richard Foster a guy that wrote a book about these spiritual disciplines. You know, he mentioned he mentioned the fact that it seems like Jesus had to have that time away from people so that he could be fully present with people when he was around them. And I think the same thing applies to us. Sometimes you need a break from people just so you can be better with people, you know. And so moms and dads or, or grandparents, sometimes you need a break from the kids so that you can be better for your kids. Uh, you know, sometimes you need a break from work so you can be better at your work. Sometimes you need some alone time so you can be a better spouse. Our kids nowadays, it seems like their lives get filled with noise and stuff as much or more as than adults' lives sometimes. It's, you know, we fill them up with extracurricular stuff and all kinds of things, and they're running from one thing to the next, and then homework, and then when do they have space? 
When do they have quiet time? And so as parents, maybe we need to be more intentional about helping our kids learn this discipline in their life and apply it in their life. Even your friends, you know, some of us, we all, this isn't a personality thing, you know, it's easy for some people to say, well, you know, if you're an extrovert, then you don't really need that, but if you're an introvert, then you kind of need that time away. This isn't a, this is a spiritual discipline, it's not about a personality thing. And, and even extroverts, you know, if you're the super extrovert that always loves to have social stuff going on, and you got to be out doing stuff, sometimes you just need to schedule a date with you and God and just get away and socialize with him a little bit quietly. <laughs> and, and, and your friends and everybody will be better for it as well. won't be easy to do this. If you commit to doing it, you're going to have to be really intentional about it because our world doesn't make it easy. There's traps all over the place that will stumble, trip you up just as soon as you start to try to find some solitude or some quiet in this world. And so you're going to have to be really intentional about it. But I think it's worth it. Don't you think it'd be worth it? To find some space that you need to perceive what's really going on in your life and to receive clarity on where you ought to be going what you ought to be doing. We live in a noisy, busy world, but that's what's normal, and normal isn't working. If we want to do better, one of the things we ought to do is carve out some time for solitude and for silence. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for teaching us to rest and for sending Jesus as this incredible example of what it looks like to intentionally seek out solitude and silence. Many of us need to confess today that we have allowed our noisy world to overwhelm us at times. So Holy Spirit, teach us to quiet our hearts, to listen to you, to find the space that we need to grow with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.